to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist at extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. Hey, we're in, um, in, in the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. We sort of uh, started a few weeks ago and we leapt forward to the Easter story and uh, the, 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 the Last Supper and then, then the Resurrection Sunday. And uh, this week we've gone back to where we were in chapter 5. And the verse that I really want us to, to focus on today, and the message is called Hunger for God. And the, the verse is verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. We're going to look at what that means. Hopefully today, Lord, I pray for this message. I pray for me that I would just um, be able to deliver it in a way that's honoring to you. Amen. When, uh, when asked for a reference uh, for a former employee, an employer replied, Bob has left and we are satisfied. <laughs> That's not the satisfied we are talking about today. Jesus promised we would be satisfied deep in our inner being and in our soul when we desperately seek him and his righteousness. Jenny and I bought dinner on Thursday night ahead of prayer meeting. <laughs> we'd been in a planning meeting for hours and hours and we'd missed lunch and we were hungry. We weren't actually quite hangry yet. No, we were just hungry. Uh, we ordered a pizza and uh, some, uh, some chips and some ribs to share. But it was a much bigger pizza than we had anticipated. And so needless to say, we, were, we went from one extreme to the other in a very short period of time. And uh, being too full was actually as bad as being too empty. <laughs> it was as bad as being hungry, and it's, I'm sure, not very healthy. And it made me think it's, it's unhealthy for our spiritual diet too. When we go for days without the word... And then we cram our spirits in on a full-on top-up on Sunday. Not getting at anyone. You know, I've been there. In Matthew 5, we read where Jesus sat down on a hillside to teach his disciples. We're not sure how many heard the words we now call the Beatitudes that day, but it would probably seem that it was not the mega crowds that we read about just in the verse before, chapter 4, verse, um, what is it, 25. Big crowds following Jesus, but they, in fact, had to climb. <laughs> now, if they're anything like me, that's a bit of a struggle. Um, so that would have thinned out the crowd when they had to climb what Matthew calls a mountain. Uh, in itself, it would have thinned out the crowd, I think. But most likely it was disciples only, and it was probably more of a hill. Uh, and this sermon, spanning three chapters, is a collection of lessons given over a period of some time. But it's called the Sermon on the Mount. 
bit of competition. Luke recalls a similar, uh, a similar and shorter version in Luke 6, 20 to 49. So as I say, you know, it may have spanned over a little bit of time, but whatever, it was the sermon that changed lives. And both accounts conclude with the parable of the two builders. Jesus said the one who doesn't act on the sermon but continues living in a worldly way, having heard it, is to be compared to building on sand. But the one who goes away and does the things Jesus says to do is compared to one who builds on the rock. The test of the footings, that's the the bit that's in the ground, according to Jesus, is tough times. That's the test. Tough times, the storms of life, and any shaking that comes our way. And the application, uh, that test, was important enough to be included in both Gospels, in Luke and in Matthew. They both end with this story of the two builders. Because it's what we live out, having heard these truths, that count more than what we simply know in our minds. Having said that, we do need to keep positioning ourselves to hear truth. Because it's the truth that sets us free. Amen? Amen. Um, But, you know, today is not a lot of information for our mind. My heart. And my passion today is that we all just get so much more hungry for God than we've been, perhaps. So with that introduction to this chapter, let's turn to Matthew 5 and read a small portion of the best sermon ever preached. Matthew 5, 1 to 12. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you. And falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. These powerful words have influenced men and women throughout the century. Motivating and encouraging men and women to share uh, uh, you know, their faith and, and to strive for peace and social reform. One such person was Mahatma Gandhi. As a young man from India, it was seen as a, a huge privilege to be sent 
to Great Britain to receive an education, eventually becoming a lawyer. And while studying there, Mahatma, he uh, heard the gospel of Matthew. And it so impacted uh, this young Hindu that he applied it to every social interaction and dispute he encountered from then on. In South Africa, he stood up against apartheid before returning home where he stood up against the injustices that came from British rule over India. In time, his consistent message of passive resistance based on Matthew 5, 39 to 41, where Jesus says to turn the other cheek, won India her independence from Britain. He lived a simple life, walking huge distances to promote his cause, and he fasted often. He wore working-class clothing, preached tolerance between faiths, and died a martyr. In his honour, there is now a statue of him in almost every village in India. But what Gandhi did, did not do, what he failed to do, was to embrace all the kingdom values in these chapters, including saying yes to the lordship of Jesus and no to other gods. We're meant to embrace people, but not other gods. God is a jealous God. It's like a marriage. We're married to Jesus. We, we stay faithful to him. Some commentators say that this chapter gives core values of the kingdom of God. But I think they say that they, they are the very heart of Jesus. We've shared a fair bit about this upside-down kingdom lately. And here in verses 1 to 12 we see a number of things that at first seem to work in reverse of how the world operates. So let's unpack them just a little bit. The poor in spirit, the poor in spirit receive the kingdom of heaven. Mourners will be comforted. The meek inherit the earth, not the powerful. The merciful will receive mercy. The pure in heart will see God. And peacemakers will be called sons of God. Those who are persecuted for Jesus' sake receive the kingdom of heaven. What a gift. And a great reward awaits those who have all kinds of evil said against them and have been falsely accused because of faith in Christ. Wow. Wow. You say, this is the opposite to how the world reacts. You know, nice guys come second. The weak get exploited. You've got to stand up for your rights. It's kind of what the world's saying, isn't it? And you might have been ripped off by a business deal that went wrong. And there's no way you're about to trust anyone again or, or forgive. Maybe you've been hurt by church leadership. And you're not about to put your hand up for serving anytime soon. Perhaps you feel like warning others not to get married because of a traumatic split. There's a secular book on divorce with the title, Don't Get Even, Get Everything. When love runs out, when run, love runs out, the law 
kicks in, sadly, to all kinds of relationships. And to all this I would say, disappointment is inevitable, but discouragement is optional. We're going to have things come at us in this life that will be disappointing. But if we get discouraged, that's a choice. We have a choice. How we react to those disappointments is what the Beatitudes are all about. This is soul food for disappointed people. Psalm 30 verse 5 says, Weeping may last for the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. Man, I hang on to that verse. My mother, bless her, used to say, it'll always seem better in the morning. Just go to sleep. <laughs> Let's worry about it in the morning. <laughs> I once had my youth van stolen outside Trinity as I was preaching reconciliation at youth group. <laughs> it was a brown four-wheel drive bongo. <laughs> When Jenny told a friend on the school PTA the next morning, she replied, oh, well, Jenny, welcome to the real world. <laughs> I thought about it for a bit, and then I thought, nah, nah. This isn't the real world. This is the fallen world. The real world awaits those who trust in the Lord. You know, the spirit is the real world. God is spirit. He's the real thing. If you were following along my thoughts in Matthew 5, you may have noticed I missed out today's key verse in my summary of the values of the kingdom of heaven. Verse 6, we'll say it again. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. This verse is written in the continuous tense but it has a future tense promise. We need to hunger and thirst for right living every day. This verse is really a lifestyle. Being spiritually hungry should be our motivation for more of God's Word, more of His Holy Spirit, and more of Jesus in our daily lives. Conferences, seminars, camps, all great. They're great. Wise men still travel. You know, we're blessed when we make an effort to get to spirit-filled events. And we, and we, you know, all need to be lifelong learners. But we also need to eat and drink spiritual food every day. In between the highs. And especially in the lows. We need each other. We need church fellowship. But we need to learn to feed ourselves. Jesus modeled this by going hard, up early, praying every day to his Father. Having a set place, having a set time, and a mindset to hear from God every day feeds our soul like nothing else on the planet. 
I had a niece come to me after one year being a youth pastor, and she said, I don't know if I really can do it again and do another year. And I said, take a bottle of water, go to a hill, and don't come back until you've heard from God on it. I don't know whether she did that, but she did eight years. <laughs> my own advice that I don't even take. At times, I have in the past. Need to again. One thing I admired greatly about my dear, creative, caring mother-in-law was that she never lost her hunger for God. All her life, she fed her spirit the word. Jenny's mum, Joss. Her Bible had arrows and highlighter marks and scribbles all through it. Through all her difficult times and darkest days, she still would wait on the Lord, pray, and thirst for more. It was humbling that in her 80s, she still wrote down things she was learning from the Lord. And then there's me. I fail most weeks to truly wait on God. This week started out with me not in a great place. It got better, but I feel guilty preaching on this verse today of all days. This message is very much for me. I need to repent of losing the hunger for more of God that I've had in recent times. This year's been tough and I need to do what I teach others to do when it's hard. But I know there's grace for getting back my first love. I heard one gospel artist say that for him to get back his first love was simply a matter of turning the radio off in the car and spending that time praying. If you travel a long way to work, try it. He wrote a song, Don't Shoot the Wounded. They need us more than ever. Here at HBC, we don't have all the answers, but we know who does. We know the one who does, and we're trying to get to know him better. And we're on a journey, and sometimes we slip, and sometimes we fail others. And the journey requires each of us to reach out to God first and then to another. It's a bit like the, on the plane, you know, put your own oxygen mask on first, then help someone else. We need that one-on-one, -on -one, don't we? In the, in the morning, I try. It's the best time for me. But whatever suits you. One-on-one -on -one with God, then you help others. Let's just not empty out our tank and get worn out with the need. There'll always be need. I'm sure there's a sermon in every verse we've read today and much better sermons on these verses. But for me to be hungry for God satisfies and achieves much of the other great values in this chapter. Just being hungry for God sorts a lot of it out. Having said that, no one verse can be isolated from the whole as a picture of what true disciples should model, true disciples of Jesus should model. We're just about there. Wrapping this up, 
having read different commentaries, it was lovely. Loana hearing from the, um, that's the expanded version, isn't it? Yeah. What's the right word for it? A amplified. Yeah. Yep. Not a real muser. Um, anyway, wrapping up. Having heard from these other com commentaries and other versions of this passage, I am in a place in awe of the wisdom of our God. Because when we search for him with a whole heart, he meets us where we're at. And he changes our value system. You know, prayer changes us. The word builds faith. And we become more like our King Jesus. We begin to look and act like him. Someone has suggested that the term Beatitudes means beautiful attitudes. I like that. Have we got beautiful attitudes today when someone pulls out in front of us? <laughs> Doesn't indicate it roundups, roundabouts. <laughs> when we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we will be satisfied with a satisfaction the world can never offer. You could say that the satisfaction from hungering and thirsting after God is out of this world. But cliche, I know. But to quote the message version, you're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever have. Let's get hungry for God. Let's stay hungry for God and let's live out that hunger for God by digging deep this week and by making a plan to hunger and thirst for right standing with God through Jesus our Lord, who is worthy. He's worthy. He is worthy of all praise. Amen. Father God, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you for these words. For this value system, the kingdom values we've looked at this morning, where we return good for evil, we for offer forgiveness for those that have reviled and spoken ill of us. Lord, where we take the lesser path, we serve rather than to be served. God, we just pray. You'd put a hunger in our heart for intimacy with you, Father, and, and, and just to know you more and more and to stay close and to stay hungry and to stay going the distance in these present days. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com.